Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Kink Collective podcast. This is episode five, I believe we're up to. Absolutely. And I'm here with my partner and co-host. Kat, hello. Kat, Omre. Kat, Omre. We're going to get into that story one day soon about Omre and Orm and Omri and... Rome. Rome, all the names that she's gotten called. It was pretty funny. However, actually, it ties in pretty well with this discussion we're going to have today. But first, who are you? Oh, I'm, my name is Joshua. I'm also known as Master Joshua in the BDSM and Leather community. Thank you so much for having me on my show. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, no, but it ties in uh, what it means to have experience, right? Uh, when someone says, I have 15 years of experience, what does that mean? And this topic came up, important topic came up, because there was someone who reached out to us on Instagram earlier this week and had told us about a partner, a person that they met online, who had bragged about having 15 years of experience, and he sounded like he knew what he was talking about because he would have all the right things to say. And ultimately, this guy ended up over at his place and injured and was injured with a torn hamstring. And it was like, ouch. Mm. And, you know, when people get hurt in this lifestyle, when people get injured or cause an injury, uh, whether it's accidental, just lack of awareness or knowledge, uh, people disappear for a long time. And that's what happened with this gentleman. He got really scared. And granted, he didn't disappear for a decade, but your walls go up. Yeah. And it's real easy to manipulate the language around this stuff uh, or to not even know that you don't know. Well, the truth is, is this is dangerous stuff enough already, right? What we do. There's, this isn't, we talk about it like there's safer ways to do it, but it's not safe. And that's if you're being a conscientious practitioner, Right. So imagine now you, you're in you're interacting with someone that you don't really know and they say they have experience and you have no idea what that even means. Are, are do they even know what a safer way to play is? Yeah, we uh, one of the things I always love harping about is that people die engaging in this stuff. And it's really important that we're aware of the risks and the consequences of, of these connections and play. Right. The different modalities and, and what are what are the ins and outs of being safe around yeah any of them rope and all the things that we do and what's our responsibility in all of that <clears throat> right who who dictates our journey uh, what risks are we willing to take you know and at the end of the day we have to determine if a person has earned access to our time in our body right so what does something like that look like right where does this even start where can a person who's just listening to this podcast for the first time say this is where i'm at and what are the signs i should be looking for so, so where, would, where would someone be if they were just starting? So from my experience and, and what I hear with a lot of my clients talking about is, well, how do we get started? A lot of folks start with the apps or they'll go out and on websites like FetLife and find events and head out to events or they'll go to their local leather bars and start there. And while they're all valid and, and important roles, options to get into the community, we also have a responsibility to be self-aware and to be aware of what it is that we're stepping into. Yeah. Uh, there's something called informed consent, or at least have being informed of what you're doing that is a staple of what this lifestyle and journey is. Yeah, and, and the truth is, is, is giving consent requires you to know what it is you're giving consent to. Right. There's this there's this frenzy almost that happens with new people where they come into 
the scene. They come into events or they even go onto the apps looking for individual people to be engaging with before they even know anything. And so you don't know what you're giving consent to if you don't know what it is. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is how do we tease out what experience is? How do we determine if it's something credible or if it's not, if it's just someone blowing smoke up your ass? Uh, and not in a good way. <laughs> I think blowing smoke up your ass, period, would not be fun. I think that caused a lot of cramps, but what do I know? <laughs> so let's start with the meeting places. So uh, we'll start with the apps. People, they're super convenient. A lot of people go that way because it's the least amount of effort. Right? You can download the app and boom, there you go. And is it valid? Is it valuable? Yes, 100%. I've connected with many people and made many friends through using apps. Is it my, my, my preferred method? No, because ultimately I, I need to sit in front of a person and see if I feel safe, seen, and heard if the person is treating me like an equal. So what are some of the flags, the red flags when connecting, or not even the red flags, what are the things that we should be mindful of when connecting with apps? One, video call. I've been impersonated at least three times now where people are using my image and ultimately my reputation based off my image to say that they have X amount of experience and that they're a master of this. And it's easy to get drawn and in, drawn into the, the, the visuals of what this lifestyle is. But how do we verify any of this? Right, get on a Zoom call and have the person meet you face on video chat at the very least just so that you can see that they're a real person. So if a person isn't willing to do that, cut your losses and run. Like just shut them out, block them, and move the other way. Because that's, that's not a good sign when a person doesn't want to va uh, <clears throat> verify their identity. I feel like that even with in-person. I don't really use the apps, nor I haven't used them much. But what little contact I've made with people online, whether it's through FetLife or whatever... I very quickly want to go to, let's meet in person for coffee. Let's meet out in a safe space, in a public space. And if you're not willing to even do that, if, if, if a person's not willing to, you know, put the time and energy into a cup of coffee, then I have the same reaction. I'm not looking to have someone chew up all my time on an app with no interest in making a genuine connection. Because when it comes down to the apps, the profiles are written by them. <clears throat> right? And they're, they're salesmen. They're going to sell their sales themselves because they want you to buy into it. They want you to engage. Now, that's why I don't write my own profiles because I need people who know me to write my own shit. Also, because I hate writing. But you can also Google a lot of educational information, right? And just because a person has read and has knowledge of stuff doesn't mean that they're approaching it ethically, morally, or right with the right intentions. It's real easy to sell yourself like an experienced version of yourself when in actuality you may have just read a few books and have zero dungeon time but what questions should we be asking we'll come to that in a minute one of the things i just heard you say that i think is really important is the difference between education and experience right there's a difference between book learning or even going to a class and sitting through a lecture and actually getting your hands in something right particularly in an educational setting where it's safe like have you actually done X, Y, and Z. What is your experience with X, Y, and Z, not just your knowledge? What are some of the other things to keep an eye out for when engaging with someone online? 
Uh, one of my favorites is when they go into power exchange mode right away, when they start speaking to you like you're their dominant or you're their submissive. That's a, that's a big no-no. Yeah, I've had that happen a while back. I was, you know, on the apps, like you said, and I got on a phone call, a couple phone calls with somebody. This time I was wanting to engage as a submissive, and this person uh, presented themselves as a dominant. And then all of a sudden we go from speaking as human beings to I'm being commanded to do this, that, and the next thing. And I was like, I haven't even met you. Well, if you were really submissive, then you would be willing to X, Y, and Z. Now, I knew enough to run, but not everybody does. And like language is, language is, a, is a big part of this. When they say you're not acting submissive, it's like, well, maybe I'm not your submissive. Maybe I'm not your dominant. And you don't get access to that just because you want to play a role with me. Right. What other questions would you ask? If I was talking to someone on the phone or I would ask, I don't know. I think I would ask basic human communication questions first. How long have you been on your journey? What has your journey been like? What, ex you know, what experiences have you had? Meaning like, have you been to events? You know, where did you get your start? Things to get to know someone as a person before I ever wanted to launch into kink conversations. Yeah, well, I, I agree 100%. <clears throat> are, we, are we even on the same page? Right. Uh, and then you have the bar scene, right, or the local community where you can walk into. And, and a lot of this happens in the leather bars where you'll walk in and you'll see someone dressed up head to toe in all their gear, and it looks like they know what's going on. And when you talk to them, you know, they can say, I've been coming here for 15, 20, 30 years, and I've been doing this in the lifestyle for 30 years. <clears throat> but you ask them, well, when was the last time you were in a dungeon? Or have you ever been in a scene? Have you ever done a scene? Or what's your experience like in, in play? Do you know how to use toys? When was the last time you had a toy used on you? Uh, but it can be intimidating when you're looking at this person dressed in all leather head to toe. But understand this, they're just another person as well. And understanding what their experience means, not just for them, but in real time, could save your life. For example, I went to a bar once, and um, there was a gentleman there, again, head to toe, and he's been coming out to bars for 30 years. And when we got into the, talk, the discussion of play, he had maybe experienced energy exchange or power exchange half a dozen times in his life. <clears throat> and at the same breath, people are looking at him like he's the seasoned vet. It's like, no, dude, you, you're seasoned at coming to the bars for 30 years. You're seasoned at the hanky code by knowing the people's colors and guessing that, that you have access to them because they're flagging that way. There's a lot to, there's a lot to tease apart uh, culturally when it comes to a phrase, something like, I've got 15 years of experience. Yeah. I know that as a relative newcomer, and I've been a relative newcomer at different stages of my experience and of my journey, um, when I would go into a space and see someone in leather head to toe, it's sort of intimidating. And it, and it makes me even forget sometimes what kind of questions I should remember to ask, right? I have a tendency to want to let someone like that lead the conversation, and I have a tendency to let someone like that dictate for me what it is we should be talking about. When, you know, stepping back from that, what I want to encourage people who are in my shoes then 
is to remember the questions that you just said and remember that you have a right to show up and ask them regardless of how authoritative they look or they present themselves. And like, what are the flags to watch in those types of spaces, right? What are the bad things to keep an eye out for? Like, if you hear this, walk the other way. <clears throat> Throw a couple in there. What would you say? Well, when, when someone decides a, a couple sentences in, they say something like, well, boy, right? They want to immediately put you in your place because they are the dominant, right? Like, that's a red flag to me. Not being able to take no. Right, exactly. Well, that's not what a real submissive would do. Or that's not how a real dominant would act. Yeah, and, it, and the, it's an important point to keep in mind that it happens on both sides. It's not just dominants who say that they have 15 years of experience that need to be vetted. It, it, submissives do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, one of the big things for me was when people expect my play, my energy exchange, simply because they identify me as a dom and they're submissive, and now they want me to be their kink dispenser. Yeah. What what ex, what experience have you had with with the submissives we just mentioned? The what are those red flags? Some some of them for me are when they say that they need a dom or I'm I'm a true sub. I'm the I'm the sub at my heart, and I I don't want to do anything but just be told what to do. And it's like that grinds my gears because how it grinds my gears, Family Guy. It's like. How much time have you taken to understand the role that you play in your own journey, right? What is it that you're looking for? And ultimately, what I'd like us to do is steer people into the areas of education, self-awareness, being able to step into these spaces. While it's accessible, it can be really dangerous. And like we said before, people die doing these types of things. So what do we do to circumvent that stuff? One is don't rush, right? Come in with an idea and a perspective of equality and witnessing and observing, right? Take your time. Do understand that your own education comes first. And I, I think it's easy. The thing I want to speak to are the people who are new, who get super enthusiastic and learn a little bit and don't know what else it is they don't know and want to run off because they're so excited. Yeah, yeah, like a kid in a candy store. Right. And that's both the dominant, the people who want to be dominant and the people who want, to, who want to be submissive to someone. It's like you have to understand where you're standing first. Uh, read books. Self-education is, is huge. Yeah. Uh, taking classes where you can walk into a space that's neutral and safe and you're engaging in an educational experience as opposed to strictly an intimate experience where that can be intimidating. Learning the technical aspect of play is important. Whether you identify as the top, bottom, dom, or sub is important. Being able to tell whether the person you're connecting with, say, a 15 years experience, actually knows what they're talking about in the experience as you having educated yourself, knowing what's safe, knowing what's safer, knowing what doesn't work, this person with self-inflated experience starts to do something that isn't safe, you'll be aware of that. Now, not to say it's malicious, but some people aren't well-informed from the get-go. They can say, I've done X, Y, and Z to, to build myself up, but ultimately it's up to you 
to be able to determine that for yourself if you feel safe is this person doing it in a way that helps me feel safe where I don't have to be worried one of the things that I think happens for people who identify as submissive or who are taking on the role of bottom is to feel like once I enter into the engagement in order to be a good and I use air quotes submissive a good bottom I have to not question or I have to not criticize or whatever the word is that happens in your head that makes you feel like you don't have a voice or that you somehow lose your agency we're all responsible for ourselves and I think for submissive people it's important to understand that once you have the knowledge that you're speaking about the in the experience it's important to know when it you need to speak up yeah uh, in these educational spaces as well or the public settings because it doesn't have to just be an educational space let's say there's no classes available to you if you're meeting with someone for the first time to play maybe play at a play party or somewhere not to say do this in public <clears throat> like a like a grocery store parking lot <laughs> But find a venue that is supportive to the type of intimate playing connection that you want to engage in so that you have people around you as a safety net too. Someone who could be watching and say, this person's technique is off, let me inform one of the dungeon monitors or the responsible parties or the host to let them say, hey, look, this person's using a technique that can harm the person they're engaging with. Maybe you want to take a step into that. So it gives a person a little more of a safety net than playing intimate intimately in a private space because it sounds it's very appealing but on the flip side of it it could be it could be harmful i'm thinking about our listeners that are living in spaces or places where perhaps this kind of event is not so readily available or available that often and i would say this is where you lean into the don't rush part right like you really want to play, but maybe you have to wait a couple, three weeks for an event that's coming, right? Maybe you live in an area where they don't have events every weekend or even once a month. It's worth it to wait to be in a safe environment than to rush in to play with someone you really don't know in a private setting where you don't have access to support and, and do that thing that you spoke about, which is have such a bad experience, you step away for weeks, months, or years. Yeah. Now, with that also accessibility is, well, what if I can't afford the education? Because <clears throat> we understand that it's not, there's a price point for some folks that's just unattainable because that's the way it is. What I suggest is talk to the educators. Just like this person re reached out to us through Instagram uh, and said that they were in a situation where they couldn't afford to pay, I said, come, because I'd much rather you get the education and awareness of what is potential in play and what to skirt away from. That way we can save a life, right? We can help this person's journey move forward as opposed to freezing where it's at for the next 10 years. And, and there are plenty of educators out there who have the same goals that we're speaking of that we have, right? They want people to be educated. Educators don't do what they do because they're making a, a ton of money. Educators do what they do out of a love of of caring for people and educating people, right? So reach out to the educators in your area and express your financial concerns and offer what you can do in exchange. Offer to be helpful, offer to come early, offer to stay late if someone is willing to help you learn. You'd be surprised what you find out there. Scholarships is another one. Um, different uh, venues, different groups, they have scholarships that you can, you can approach um, <clears throat> and they'd be more than happy to to give you access to it. 
Uh, just, but make sure if you're doing that, you're volunteering with the intention of showing up. Because that's like the biggest uh, shit kicker is people who want the knowledge but aren't showing up for it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, in some, so in some ways, the, I, I find that scholarships are best or uh, assistance is best when you have to give something in return. Right. Like like showing up and helping or donating what you can donate like a sliding scale. Right. So it it assures that you have skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Also, begin the process of introspection. Start learning who you are and what are you looking to experience in this stuff? That looks like counseling, uh, mentorship, education, uh, retreats and intensives that are all throughout the country. Uh, Work with a professional. I highly recommend working with a professional who can lay out the groundwork for you to start beginning to understand yourself. Like when we came up with PBK, it was out of frustration of people getting hurt and not being informed enough to to have a positive experience. Like, where do I go from here? And it can be intimidating. It can be very intimidating. Yeah. I'm part of it. You mentioned PBK and part of it is uh, was our interest and, and continues to be our interest in helping people do. You mentioned introspection. And sometimes people hear the word introspection and they go, well, I can guess what that might be, but I have no idea how I would begin to do it or what that would look like. Across so, the country, there's, there's, across the world, there's many avenues of access to getting your foot in the door within this journey. Understanding that knowing yourself is the most powerful tool in this. And the, in order to do that, you have to put the, the legwork in. You have to go out there and ask yourself the hard questions connect with people that are going to make you get a deeper understanding of yourself yeah i think it comes back to that thing of not expecting the person who says they have more experience than you to necessarily know more than you right to be the person who you're going to yield your autonomy to under the hope that whatever they say is their experience is going to be in your best interest I Yes, I love that. So I'm going to read off some green flags for doms and then red flags for doms and then same for subs. So green flags for doms. They're a good person, right? Dominants don't have to be assholes. They don't have to be bitches, right? But they could be a genuinely nice person, like someone who would hope, help an elderly person across the street or someone who would hold the door open for you, right, with... With kind eyes. <laughs> yeah, kindness and, and being polite. There's no reason why a dominant can't be polite. Treating you as an equal is a big deal. Uh, just up front when we're meeting for the first time is, does a person treat me as a sub or do they treat me as an individual? Yes. Right. Or does the person approach me as a dominant or do they treat me as an individual? Well, it's like we like to say in our events, you know, if you show up, you're not a dominant, you're not anyone's dominant, right? Unless you come with someone for whom you are a dominant. Like, you just don't get to show up like, oh, I'm a dominant, therefore, what, that means you have to be a submissive? Yeah, uh, asking you questions is another thing. Like, having a decent conversation that isn't about what are you into, right? But tell me about yourself. Who are you? As opposed to what are you into? Uh, Red flags for doms. Jumping straight into DS. Like yeah. the example that you had given. Yeah, or uh, or just being disrespectful. 
or or demanding that you be you know dominant people who claim to be dominant show up and start demanding to be spoken to as master before we've had any really conversations to get to that place or they become very controlling in their language yeah or they want you to cut people off like uh, you're you're talking to me now you're not allowed to talk to anyone else right like people who don't or, or people who tell you what parties you can go to or what groups you can interact with and who you can't and they start wanting to control what you do even when you're not with them um disrespectful you had mentioned yeah <clears throat> well there's a line between speaking with authority for someone and just being disrespectful it's like demanding uh the use of honorifics right meaning you must call me master you must call me sir you must call me this those are those are big ones to look out for yeah well you you talk about that sometimes right about the use of honorifics people will tell you i've heard it people say well what should i call you and what's your what is your normal response my to that? response to that is well let me earn it let me earn the honorific and it'll often times come out we're in the middle of a scene and i'm flogging you that you've asked for right that we've <laughs> negotiated and then i'll say excuse me did you like that and you'll say yes insert honorific and whatever comes out naturally is what i like to use right so that's it, an example for those of you who are looking or wondering what does a a, a green flag for a dominant look like at least on the subject of honorifics it looks like that like i don't you don't have to call me anything <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, like one of my biggest ones that just really explodes my head is when a person introduces themselves with the honorific hi i'm goddess such and such or i'm master such and such at a munch it's like dude listen you're peter and you just ordered a fucking philly cheesesteak <laughs> with your bud light sit down <laughs> <laughs> Peter well, and the Bud Light. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and to a new person, like, if it looks or sounds pretentious, it probably is. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like, uh, trust your... In and then we get to intuition and instinct around this, right? Like, when you're new, sometimes you have a feeling. Like, you think something might not be safe, but you second-guess yourself. If you think or feel like something might be unsafe, you are probably right. Here's another couple green flags. We have a slow and methodical progression, right? There's no rush. I'm going to be here. You're going to be here. Unless this is like the only day we're seeing each other. Like if this was at a party, there still wouldn't be a rush to play. It's like, hey, what's up? Are you open to doing bondage? No? All right. Well, like we say, sometimes. Half an hour? Okay. <laughs> right. Like, well, sometimes in events we'll say that, you know, the the organic outcome of a negotiation is lunch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, time and commitments are respected. There's nothing more frustrating to me than... I'm willing to make time, make an appointment, put my time aside, and then let's say I'm meeting somewhere out in public and I get there and the appointed time comes and there's no call, there's no show, and then maybe 10 minutes later I'll get a message that'll say, oh, I'm running late, I'll be there. You've lost me at that point. I made the time and effort to be there when we said we would be there. And I think particularly dominant or submissive, like. If you can show me that you value my time as much as I'm valuing, valuing yours, then we have a place to go from. Yeah. And with that, they can handle no gracefully. Right. I've been, I've been rejected for play uh, as recently as early this weekend. But it was cool because it was what it was. I said, hey, are you interested in doing some bondage? They were like, mm. and, and And what happened was... <clears throat> 
I think the intimidation of Master Joshua and they didn't know how to say no and I said you know no was perfectly okay too and they, they could see the relief and they said no not tonight and I said well, awesome thank you for saying that because I wouldn't want to put you in a position that you didn't want to be in right but, and that that gets right to the difference between power exchange and power differential right that in my understanding of this is uh, a power exchange is a freely entered into and consequently freely gotten out of type of exchange whereas a power differential is the person one person's over the other person which brings into question whether or not the person in the more submissive role has genuine has been able to give genuine consent and can withdraw it at any time the easiest way to see that is in the workplace right your boss if a boss becomes overly whatever salacious with you as the employee, there's question in your mind whether or not you could get out of that easily, whether or not you could say no and it would be okay and you wouldn't have consequences. That mentality happens to people who think of themselves as submissive when they run into someone who they feel like is dominant. It creates the, the and it's not accurate, but it creates the feeling sometimes that, well, I can't say no, mm. right? This is, a real, this is a really a dominant person. If they want me to play with them, then I should have to say yes. Yeah spot on uh some more red flags uh <clears throat> disrespect right just the the whole oversight of not being safe seen or heard um another one is they begin to demand things with intimidation and manipulation right what's your experience with that yeah i talked about that a little bit ago i don't have a lot of experience with it but what i do is around things like i'm trying to meet someone who would be a dominant person to engage with and they launch right into well I need you to especially when they as a woman what you get is all the sexual stuff like they want you to take pictures of yourself and send it to them or they want you to do things that have to do with positions and and then we haven't even met in person like I don't even know you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, one of that we had mentioned is uh, controlling your interaction within the BDSM community right limiting who you have access to and connection to because God forbid you start thinking for yourself or you see things that resonate with you that this person isn't doing that would make you reconsider your connection. Well, and that happens a lot. I think the people who claim to have experience and who are actually not that experienced rely on that kind of fear and intimidation, right? Like if they can keep you from getting educated yourself, then they'll have a shot at keeping you for themselves or you know making you their whatever they want to turn you into like, <laughs> you know and and it but if it has to come through fear and intimidation then how genuine is it anyway yes so what about the subs because it's not just the doms out there it's not just crazy people being doms but you have the subs doing the same thing there's green flags for subs and red flags for subs let's hit that list let's see assertive as a green flag assertive communication they own their experiences and emotions yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, red, the, the alternative, the red side of that to me is when I engage with someone and all they want to start doing is talking about their previous experiences and everyone else is wrong. There's no ownership of their own experience. They, they don't, we all have bad past experiences, but anyone who's doing this kind of work can see what part they had to play. So if someone shows up and there's no ownership of any part they had to play in anything, to me that's a red flag. It's the opposite of what you just said. Yeah. 
uh, the needing of Adam. Like, I need someone to guide me. I need someone to control my life. I need a parent. Is that what that tells me? <laughs> <laughs> Kindergarten teacher. Kindergarten teacher. I need someone to lead my life for me because it's too much. And yeah. it's like, or, or <laughs> I don't want to think. I just want to do. Well, listen, I could do that too. I have a bathroom you can clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the green side, green flag side of that is um, being independent. If a, dom if a submissive shows that they can think for themselves, if they have their own independent thoughts and feelings about things, uh, you know, if they're actually a whole person first before they're a submissive anything, right? Like that, I'll do anything. There's nothing I won't do. I want to grovel at your feet. And there's no like person in there. Uh, another part is uh, accepting, and this is a green flag for subs, is accepting of differences and flaws, right? Not putting the dominant on a pedestal, but understanding that they're a human being too and they have ups and downs and they go through their emotions. Because <clears throat> that's happened to me a few times and it's like, you know, at what point do I get some elbow room to be a human being? Right. I mean, I know I'm God and all, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> just please. getting disclaimer. <laughs> Oh, please. Not really. Universe, you hear me. Um, but no, have you had that experience where people haven't afforded you the opportunity to make mistakes? Oh, 100%. 100%. And it's like it's so, there's so much pressure involved with that. It's like I can't get breathing room to exist, right? I, I try to make as few mistakes as possible, understanding I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's a sign, like you're saying, a good sign or a green flag for a submissive is someone who understands that, that the dominant makes mistakes too. I think humor is a big deal. I think being able to approach things with humor uh, and humility. But humor is a, a big deal um, to not take this stuff so seriously. Right? How much lighter does it feel when we don't have to be... Like we like to tease, there is no smiling in BDSM or there is no laughing in BDSM and we say it lightheartedly because we feel like nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> um, <clears throat> appreciation and gratitude comes from both sides, the Dom and the sub. Uh, independence is a big deal when it comes to green flags with submissives as well because I don't want another child, right? I don't want someone I have to take care of who's an adult. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people who enjoy that and I, truth be told, I like when I get to say, Mommy, can you pick up my clothes? Right. But in order to I don't want someone who's going to turn over full responsibility to me. Right. right? There, there needs to be a level of independence that I can put you on a task and you can go accomplish it without me holding your hand. Yeah. Another thing that I was kind of tangential to this that that occurs to me is people who come and they say things like, well, you know, I say, do you have a partner? And they say yes, and they look a little squirmy, and then they finally confess that their partner doesn't know that they're with me. Their partner doesn't know that. And then all of a sudden, I'm being asked to be participating in a secret of some kind. You know, a long time ago, I, I started a criteria for myself that if I'm engaged in something that someone else would be hurt by if they knew about it, I don't do it. So when someone comes to me and then wants to swear me to secrecy, that's another red flag. I mean, that just blows up the whole foundation of this whole journey anyway. What's that word? Oh, integrity. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <clears throat> it just totally just assassinates that word if my partner doesn't know. Or another one, another huge flag, and I don't care what people say, is my partner doesn't care what I do. We just don't talk about it. It's like, well, I don't know if I believe that. Like, 
because I've seen too many don't ask, don't tell relationships that weren't don't ask, don't tell. Right. You got to prove to me that you have a genuine don't ask, don't tell. I need proof of that before I'm going to take you at your word. What does that look like for you? Well, one, I have a close friend. I've known him for years and he and his wife genuinely have a don't ask, don't tell. And what that looks for them is his proclivities and his appetite is much bigger than hers and they both know it. And so her admonition to him is do what you're going to do when you travel for business, which is what he used to do is travel for business. Don't take budget and time away from the family or the household. And I don't want to know about it. She had very clear criteria for which her don't ask, don't tell existed. And as long as he could honor the things that mattered to her about it, she was willing to grant him to do the things he needed to do or wanted to do as long as he didn't ABC. When that was described, I believed that. When that much detail was put around it and about what their their agreement was, I believed that was a genuine don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, another one is my partner's not into this, so they let me go do what I want. It's like, eh, I don't know. I'd have to, there's, there has to be ways to validate, verify this stuff. Because ultimately what it boils down to is you're fucking cheating. Right. And that's totally the difference between ethical non-monogamy and cheating is like, does the other person know what you're doing? Yeah. So finding ways to get to the truth around that stuff is pertinent for your own sake, for your own identity within this journey. Because like, for example, we have some, I know someone who is in a relationship with a person and that person's married and the only thing that they can say is, well, he's told me his wife knows. And it's like, you know, I want to believe that. But he's still sneaking around and making up reasons to call in sick. Uh, I'm sorry, calling in sick to work in order to get away. But the behavior just doesn't match mm -hmm. with the words. Right. Like you're, it sounds like you're still sneaking around. Right. And at the end of the day, I have to decide for myself what kind of person do I want to be? What, what is my level of integrity? What is my level of honesty and transparency? How do, what do those things mean to me? And how do I want to be in the world, regardless of how you are? Right? Like, like you said, someone could come to me and be really interesting to me, and I could be really attracted to want to play with them or whatever. But when they start to talk about some relationship that they're not being honest with, then I have to see myself as if I'm going to go forward, I'm going to put myself in the position of participating in someone's cheating. Is that who I want to be? Is that, is that how I see myself as wanting to be in the world? And it's easy to want to like go to sleep around that. It would be easy for me to say, well, it's not my issue, not my problem. I want to blah, 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 blah. But when faced directly, that's what I would be doing. I would be participating in that. And is that who I want to be? So it's like the solution to all of this is educate yourself, find out what works best for you, but you have to figure out what works best for you. And you don't figure that out in the heat of the moment. A lot of those decisions are knee-jerk reactions and they can get you into a lot of trouble up to death. Right? So <laughs> Let's make that clear. Let's the make, the, the, let's the outside clear. penalty is death. <laughs> right? So educate yourself in what you're experienced, I'm sorry, in what you're curious about. So that when you do get into those spaces of opportunity and experience, you're very well informed of what's right, what's wrong, what's safer, and what isn't. And what's right for you. And what's right for you. There's numerous programs and educators around the world. 
reach out to them. I mean, reach out to us and we'll help you find them for your area because we believe that this lifestyle is accessible for those who are ready for it, for those who are looking to understand themselves, that understand that the responsibility lies solely in their lap. We'll help you. We'll help you find the educators near you so that you can get your hands in it, so that you can start your own journey on the right step and not the wrong step, not being victim to someone to someone else. Thank you guys so much. And as always, you can reach us at kingcollective.net, uh, masterjoshua.com. And our sole in- intention is to help people find their way through this journey so that you guys can do it successfully and safely. Saferly, like some people say. <laughs> Saferly, I like that. I haven't heard that. Saferly is a good way to put it. So thank you for listening. We enjoy having you with us. We love doing these podcasts. We'll see you soon. Yay. See you soon.